0: All right. Down stopping the Cleveland Indians. Welcome
1: to the Streak Podcast. In 2017, the Cleveland Indians went on an unprecedented record-setting 22-game winning streak.
0: You may never see anything quite like
1: this again. For the next three weeks, you can hear each game as it happened night after night on the Cleveland Clinic Indians radio network.
0: History continues to march on. On the
1: Streak Podcast, we'll get the stories from the players, coaches, manager Terry Francona, and others from the voice of the tribe, Tom Hamilton, and Jim Rosenhouse. Now, let's relive one of the greatest stretches of play in Indians and baseball history.
2: Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode number 17 of The Streak. I'm Jim Rosenhouse, and along with the voice of the Tribe, Tom Hamilton, we are bringing you some of the great backstories and characters of the Indians' 22-game winning streak, that record-setting streak at the tail end of the 2017 season, and it's all been coinciding with the radio broadcasts of those games that are running each evening on the Cleveland Clinic Indians radio network as well as Indians.com now coming up shortly Hammy is in the first of uh, a two maybe three part interview with Jay Bruce who turned out to be one of the heroes of that streak most notably game number 22 but much much more on that in a little bit but first A look back at win number 18 of the streak. It was broadcast last night on the Cleveland Clinic Indians radio network. A tight game with Baltimore at downtown Cleveland's progressive field. And the Indians locked in a a real tough matchup with a team that had been struggling. The Orioles, well, in the sixth inning, Roberto Perez gave them a jolt.
0: Full count on Roberto Perez in a 1-1 game in the bottom of the sixth. Hellickson. He delivers. Perez with a drive, deep left field, it is gone! And Roberto Perez hits number five. And the Indians have a two to one lead here in inning number six. So after retiring 15 in a row, Jeremy Hellickson has given up the lead just like that. And Roberto Perez continues his late-season surge.
2: And the very next hitter was Francisco Lindor.
0: Lindor climbs back in. Taps that bat on the home plate one time, takes two practice swings, twirls it once, cocks it in position, and now the pitch to him. A swing and a drive to deep right, away, back, gone. back jacks perez and now lindor hits number 29 and the indians have a 3-1 lead here in the sixth inning
2: and those home runs by perez and lindor proved to be enough as the bullpen would get it done in relief of trevor bauer in the end
0: cody allen one strike away from his 26th save and the Indians one strike away from an 18th consecutive win. Allen into the motion, here it comes. Swung on, looping liner to right, coming on Jay Bruce, makes the catch! Ball game! right, now there is no stopping the Cleveland Indians. They sweep the Baltimore Orioles. More importantly, history continues to march on. 18 in a row for the cleveland indians a franchise record and for the indians this is just the fifth time in major league baseball history we have 18 wins in a row
2: so there it is win number 18 in the streak as the Indians keep right on rolling, and uh, there's several more games to go, and you know that at this point if you have been a regular listener of the podcast and certainly are a Tribe fan. Tom Hamilton recently had a chance to sit down with Jay Bruce, who joined the ball club in early August and was a part of the Indians' 22-game win streak. He actually hit below 200 during the streak, but it seemed like every base that he had came at the best of times. And when Jay joined Tom, they talked about Joining the Indians and what that was like for the first time, a career Cincinnati Red was Jay Bruce, but he had been traded to New York about a year earlier before a surprise deal that brought him to Cleveland.
3: You know, it definitely poses its challenges. Um, it, was, it was a bittersweet situation for me because there was so much anticipation leading up to the trade. Um, the writing was kind of on the wall and Cincinnati was saying, you know, look, they're, they're going to, you know, maybe look to move into a different direction, um, go into a rebuilding because they're losing so-and-so players. And, you know, every, every player, every kid's dream when they get drafted by a team, it's put their entire, you know, their entire um, career there. And that was the goal for me, you know, and, um, but when it came time to get traded, you know, there had been so much talk and so much anticipation that it was almost like, okay, it's time to go. You know, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to move on. Um, When I, when the trade did end up happening, it was quite the whirlwind. Um, We had just had Carter and he was a couple months old. um, I think three months old and you know, getting traded to New York was um, a whole different animal, obviously. You know, getting there, being, you know, kind of a, the sleepy Midwest. I say that in the most endearing way possible. You guys know exactly what I mean. Um, going from there to a place like Manhattan, you know, honestly, we decided to, like, let me go. My my family and I decided to let me go there, get settled in, and then bring them once I got every, you know, kind of got a footing and honestly, it never happened. It never happened. I never found a place that was suitable um, for a price. I lived in six hotels. My family never actually came and it was just an absolute mess. And um, it was not a positive experience for me. And it had nothing to do with playing baseball in New York or anything like that. It had so much to do with everything going on off the field. And so. I will definitely say the first time I was traded, it kind of got blown up in my face a little bit. Um, But the second time I got traded, we were cooking with oil. That was getting traded over to y'all and it was, could not have been more seamless.
4: Do you think it also helped Jay that you're, you're getting traded kind of to a similar situation to what you grew up with. I mean, Cleveland and Cincinnati are different, but same state, Midwest, kind of same, same kind of people, same kind of living.
3: Yeah, the blueprint was there. The blueprint was there for sure. Carter was, uh, you know, almost uh, two years old at the time, or almost two years old at the time. Um, You know, we had a much better footing of everything and, You know, we slid right into living in a townhome in a nice area. And it was very, everything was very stable. And the thing that I've learned throughout my career is the more stability you can have away from the field, it allows you to have that more peace of mind and stability at the field. And um, like I said, it had nothing to do with the market of me playing baseball in New York City at the time. But it really affected me away from the fields, you know, I had a brand new family, a brand new baby, and, you know, wanted to make sure everyone was taken care of. And I didn't, you know, it was just a lot of stuff going on. But yes, moving, moving, you know, getting traded to Cleveland and having my family meet me there when we got off the road in a house, (laughs) and being able to kind of like breathe, you know, and, and have them with me and kind of start off on that, you know, that rhythm was extremely important.
4: And yet, Is it kind of tough? I mean, you're you're getting traded to a team now because the Mets weren't winning. The Indians are not only winning, they're they're expecting to have a deep October run, and and they got you for a reason, to be a middle-of-the-order presence. How much pressure is that? And is it tough to get comfortable in new surroundings, a new locker room with new teammates?
3: Well, you know, for me, I didn't feel like there was any pressure whatsoever. Um, I knew exactly why the Indians got me and I knew that that was the exact situation that I wanted to be in. And I also knew that I didn't need to come over over there and carry anyone. I mean, you, you know, they were boat racing the league at the time. Um, so for me, it was extremely comfortable and exciting. And the anticipation that I had was all excitement. It was like, get over there. You know, I knew a lot of the guys because we shared a spring training complex and I'd kept up with, you know, a lot of them over the years. And if nothing else, when all the guys would leave through the right field gate in Goodyear, I would talk to them in right field when I was still out there when they were leaving. So getting to know them, just doing that, Was something that that really helped me, I think, with the the familiarity of of the team of the organization. Um, And so, no, I didn't feel any pressure at all. I was so excited to get right into a race, and it was interesting because I feel like the vibe in the clubhouse at the time was like, "How are we going to feel like we're still in a race throughout this whole thing?" Because you know, the best record in the league was still at stake, and it was almost like, "How are we going to trick ourselves into?" being mature enough as a crew, as a group to keep the intensity and keep that edge and be ready for the playoffs when, you Mm -hmm. know, the time comes. And, um, yeah, it was, it, the clubhouse made it so easy on me, the clubhouse from the clubhouse staff to the media relations people, to the on field guys, to the team, to the trainers. I mean, they made it so easy on me. To, to come over there and, and slide right in and fit in. And, you know, then kind of obviously what I mentioned as far as like staying sharp and, and staying focused obviously started taking care of itself when we started the streak.
4: Jay, one of the reasons the Indians got you to though too is you're intangibles and that you've always been a good clubhouse presence and you've been a leader in your own way when you come to a new ball club, obviously you don't go charging through the door and saying, you know, here I am, follow me. How do, how do you assimilate yourself with that, that group of guys? And, and yet you still want to be a clubhouse presence if it's needed. I mean, is that a fine line that you walk?
3: I definitely think so. And I think that my style of of how I go about things is more of a lead by example, not by a voice. And I think that there are times where it is appropriate to to say something and you know the clubhouse may need that but for me moving to a new um scenario or organization or or whatever um i've found that it's most important to be sure that i personally know what i stand for as a player as a person and so when i go into a new clubhouse you know, I need to make sure that people know me and get to know me and understand where I come from as a, as a person, as a man, as a human being. And I think that if you use that level of like understanding and respect that goes both ways, then I think the baseball stuff kind of falls into falls in, in line. You know, when I go into a clubhouse, listen, I don't care how Carlos Santana or Jason Kipnis or Michael Brantley or Francisco Lindor are playing baseball. Like, I don't care how they're playing at the time i want to get to know them as people i want to understand them and respect them and give them respect and also expect the respect back and i think that the baseball side just kind of falls into place after that so for me going into the situation i wanted to come there introduce myself get to know people as as the as the person um, I knew plenty about them as baseball players. And I think that, you know, kind of my style of play kind of takes care of itself. You know, I'm not a guy who's going to be in your face. I'm there. I have a very consistent routine. I have a very consistent attitude. I try and be very professional. And I try and, you know, tie that respect factor into all that. So, you know, for me, it's less about the actual game and more about getting to know people as as human beings. And I think that goes a long way.
4: Jay, you know, the streak started on August 24th, and it kind of coincided with the fact we had a stretch there where there were not going to be any off days, that you were in essence going to play three straight weeks. Had a a four-and-a-half game lead when it started. Club had started to play better once we were able to get you in that trade and just kind of started to gain a little momentum. Was there at any point during that, Twenty-two game streak, maybe even early in the streak, where you were like, "Oh, we're we're starting to click." I mean, you always hear peaking at the right time. I don't know that you can do that in baseball. But was there any sense that you had as it was starting to to grow?
3: Well, I think that was what was most apparent to me was the pitching just started absolutely dominating. I mean, you almost knew every single night we were going out and somebody was going seven and giving up zero or one. And then essentially it was a coin flip in the, in the bullpen, whoever wanted to come out of the bullpen and get the last, you know, three outs of the, or you know, six outs of the game or nine outs of the game. Like it was, it was a toss up. Whoever wanted to do it was going to do it. And there was so much confidence and so much um, certainty in the pitching staff from top to bottom that I think that's what kind of solidified the whole thing. And, you know, I specifically remember Tyler O'Neill. He would just come up and he went like so however many innings without giving up a, a base runner or something. Something <laughs> crazy. And like stuff like that seemed to start happening over and over and over again. And you know, the offense kind of spoke for itself. We started clicking and but the pitching is what I remember that was was so impressive about the whole thing and when I remember feeling like every single night we go out here we're getting lights out performances from our pitchers that's when I kind of felt like okay like we're we have an opportunity and I wasn't thinking about the streak at the time but like we have an opportunity to to go deep into this thing because of our pitching and the you know the certainty and the consistency and the the dominance at the time, it was just, it was impressive.
4: Well, it's, it's interesting you point that out, Jay, because you you were on the other end of it. I mean, you 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 have faced that rotation for a, a number of years with the, the interleague games and spring training, mm-hmm. but Clevenger was 4-0, Bauer and Kluber 4-0, Carrasco 3-0. They had seven shutouts in 22 games. Cody Allen didn't give up a run. In eleven games, what when you're even though they're your guys now, do you ever feel mm-hmm. sorry for another hitter when you see what these guys are doing because you've been there, done that?
3: Not when I'm standing in the outfield, I can tell you that. <laughs> um, no, you know, I've I've been I've fallen victim to those guys plenty, you know, um, and but I also feel like it was a little different. Like these guys were still trying to kind of get their footing as. You know, bona fide major league pitchers. When I was facing them early on, um, when I got there, and the few years before that, really, like they had found their way, you know, and guys were figuring out what they had and how they were supposed to use it, and they were really clicking on all cylinders, you know, because I mean, I I left there and in. July of 16, you know, and there's some guy, you know, the what they did and how they came up and, and you know, especially like Clevenger and, and Kluber was Kluber and, you know, Bauer had bounced around a little bit and he started coming in his own. And, you know, the, I feel like they were different when I, when I came to the Indians
1: mm-hmm. than
3: early on when I faced them with the Reds. For sure,
2: that is Jay Bruce, the outfielder who was such a great acquisition for the Indians in August of 2017, and really was a big part of the streak. And much, much more with Hammy and Jay on our next podcast, which should drop tomorrow. Now, if you're listening to this podcast on Friday, May the 22nd, don't forget tune in tonight at 7 p.m. to the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network and Indians.com. Game number 19 of the streak. Another home game for the Tribe as they continue streaking toward the record as they are closing in on the 20-game win streak that was the American League record by the Oakland Athletics. So we hope you can join us tonight. And, of course, we'll have another podcast associated with that as well. That'll do it for this episode of The Streak. Thanks going out, as always, to Brian Motze and Bob Coates at iHeartMedia for their production help, Bart Swain and Courtberry Trip from Indians PR. And also thanks... To Jay Bruce for joining Tom Hamilton, I'm Jim Rosenhouse. Thanks for taking the time to listen. We'll talk to you next time on The Streak.
0: The Indians' historical streak marches
1: on. Thanks for listening to The Streak podcast, the inside stories from one of the greatest stretches of play in Indians and baseball history. Your companion to the nightly game broadcast on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network.